Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Josh Davis has an important One World update, and Ray Comfort will help us discover how to live fearlessly for Christ. Meeting the Mission, our special effort to secure the complete $1 million match that has been given to SWRC, is progressing well. Thank you to everyone who has participated, and to those who may need more information about this special dollar-for-dollar match, let me encourage you to check out this website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. And know that when you give to Southwest Radio Ministries today, your gift will be matched. You will double your impact and ensure that Watchmen on the Wall and all of our ministries will be able to bring clarity to the chaos for many years to come. 1-800-652-1144. That's the number to call and show your support for SWRC. You can also be part of the match by giving on our website, supportswrc.com. $90 in honor of our 90th anniversary would be an outstanding way to show your support, and it's doubled during our dollar-for-dollar match. 1-800-652-1144. Thank you for your support of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries. Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio are celebrating 90 years of proclaiming the truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer, is also celebrating a birthday. This year marks 30 years of keeping time on God's prophetic clock. Each month, The Prophetic Observer examines topics and events that relate to the fulfillment of end-time prophecies. Thousands of people are benefiting from the insight and information in the pages of The Prophetic Observer. Subscribe today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144, the Prophetic Observer Newsletter. 1-800-652-1144. Friends, it's time to discover how to live fearlessly for Christ. Like Daniel in Babylon, Christians today are exiles in a hostile culture. Every day, we face the lions, the easier road of moral compromise, the lure of earthly wealth and influence, the temptation to give in to our fears or our apathy. Yet, we are called to obey God rather than man, and we need courage to do it. Award-winning apologist Ray Comfort is here to help. Our guest is Ray Comfort. He is an experienced apologist and popular speaker. He has had many witnessing encounters with college students, college professors, and many others. He is well known for asking probing questions and fielding hard questions raised by skeptics. We're going to talk about his new book, So Many Lines, So Few Daniels. Thanks, Ray, for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, Ray, what is the story behind the title, So Many Lines, So Few Daniels? Well, it was inspired by atheists. A year and a half ago, I saw on the internet, a t-shirt called So Many Christians, So Few Lions. And I thought, boy, (laughs) that's about as culturally sensitive as as so many Jews and so few Nazi ovens, so many blacks and so few lynching ropes. Mm. And I I was angry. I thought, what a horrible thing to say. 
so many Christians, so few lions. I wrote that book out of a, an indignation. I thought, man, I, I really want to see Christians raised up and be as bold as a lion. And I was inspired by Daniel. So that's what this book is about, teaching Christians they need not be intimidated by atheists. An atheist is not an intelligent person, not according to the Bible. An atheist is a fool. And the reason for this is an atheist believes the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything. Mm. Not that there was nothing in the beginning, but nothing was the creative force that gave us flowers and birds and trees and puppies and kittens and seasons and fruits and male and female and all the species, the marvel of the human eye, the miracle of human birth. Right. All that was created by nothing. What sort of insanity is that? So atheism is intellectual suicide. I mean, you meet an atheist, don't feel intimidated, just realize the Bible's right when it says he's a fool. Don't address his intellect as straight for his conscience as Jesus did when he witnessed. So we have the example in Scripture of Jesus witnessing to people, and we should follow his example because it certainly is effective. Right, right. Well, there are many roaring lions that try to terrify us and tell us to be silent about our faith. What are some of the lions that Christians face in our modern world, and what can we say to them? How can we deal with the problem? Well, there's a lot of, like, scary things for Christians nowadays that we need not be fearful of. There's the whole issue of homosexuality, there's the issue of abortion. When I became a Christian, I suddenly became pro-life instantly mm. right. and pro-marriage between a man and a woman. And the reason for that was the power of the gospel. I was made a brand new creature overnight. And so, as Christians, we've got to realize that Jesus didn't say go into all the world and try and convince them that your way is better than theirs. Mm. The Bible is the word of God. He didn't say that. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God under salvation. In other words, it's the gospel that God uses to take someone out of darkness into light, out of death into life. And if you want a personal miracle, if you're a skeptic, all you've got to do is obey the gospel. And God will transform you in an instant, overnight, into a brand new person. Scripture says, being born again, you'll have a new heart and new desires. And by that I mean, instead of drinking iniquity like water, you'll begin to thirst for righteousness. You'll love whatever God loves. And that is a personal miracle that God gives you. After 50 years, over 50 years of being a Christian, I am still in awe, standing with my mouth like a road tunnel, <laughs> at what God did with me overnight, made me a brand new person. And as I said, that's the personal miracle for the skeptic. Amen. Well, in Matthew one seventeen, we read that Jesus will save his people from their sins. It is, of course, through the law that we have the knowledge of sin. Now, how do you witness to people today about their need for salvation from sin when most people don't even have the slightest idea of what sin really is? I mean, everything is fluid, whatever they want it to be. I think I'm a boy. I think I'm a girl. So how do you convince them, show them that they are accountable for breaking an eternal moral law? wonderful thing is that God has taken his law, written in stone for humanity. It's not going anywhere. It's, it's eternal. It's written in stone. But he's also written on the heart of every human being. So when you meet someone who is pro-abortion or pro-homosexuality, etc., as I said, don't go for the intellect, go for that conscience, that impartial judge on the courtroom in the mind that's going to agree with the commandments. Romans 8 verse 7 says, The carnal mind, that is what we're dealing with, is in a state of hostility. It's at enmity with the law of God, and it says it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. In other words... The thing that causes contention between man and God to a point where 
sinners will use God's holy name as a cuss word, the contention is his moral government. Mm. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. They don't want God telling them what to do morally. For example, I can meet an atheist, and I'll say to him, Hey, Tom, can you be real honest with me? Because he says, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, there's no, there's no evidence of God's existence. Mm. So can you be honest with me? He'll say, yeah. I say, I mean, really honest. He says, yeah, sure. So, so this issue isn't really about God's existence. It's really about you having sex with your gorgeous girlfriend and looking at pornography, and you know God frowns upon it, mm. and that's why you deny his existence. And you see his mouth turn up at the edges. Yeah. I say, I'm right, aren't I? And he'll say, yeah, you're right. And he's just like Adam, running from God, hiding behind the bushes. He's like the prodigal son who went to a far country because he wanted to spend his substance on riotous living and prostitutes, according to his older brother. Wow. And so he knew he couldn't do it right under the nose of his father, so he went to a far country. So atheism is a far country. It's as far away as they can get from God. But when you use the conscience, when you address the conscience, as Jesus did, it bears witness. When you say it's wrong to steal, isn't it? They'll say, yeah, I know that. It's wrong to lie and blaspheme. It's wrong to commit adultery. It's wrong to murder. The head will nod unconsciously because the work of the law is written upon the heart. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, we're told the law was made for sinners, and then it the sinners and says it was made for homosexuals. Mm. So when you meet a homosexual, you don't need to get into an argument with them over his lifestyle or gay marriage. Just go for his conscience. Say, do you think you're a good person? He'll say, yeah, I'm a good person. How many lies have you told? Ever stolen something? Ever used God's name in vain? Ever looked with lust? And as you go through those commandments, they suddenly see they're a sinner, and you haven't even got anywhere near the sexual orientation. In fact, I don't want to even go there. You don't have to because the law was made by homosexuals. You can, show him he's a, you can show him he's a sinner in desperate need of God's mercy, on his way to hell, needs a savior without even going there. And that's the key to biblical evangelism without undue offense. Right. Well, sharing the gospel with others is certainly a major duty and responsibility for each Christian today. And yet, so many Christians are complacent. How can we eliminate this complacency? As a matter of fact, what is at the root of the complacency. It could be the person's a false conversion, has no love. If you see a child mm. drown and you don't reach out to save them, you've got a cold heart indeed. In fact, you're violating civil law called depraved indifference if you don't help someone when you can save them from death. And it seems that much of the church is guilty of the crime of depraved indifference. They're saying, we're all going to hell. I'm just going to worship God and enjoy Christian music. The other thought, too, is that the priority in the pulpit will be the priority in the pew. If you go to a church where the emphasis is on prophecy, the whole church will be in prophecy. The emphasis is on worship, the whole church will be in the worship. And I say, don't these pastors ever read the book of Acts? The only reason the church existed was to warn every man that they present every man perfect. Every corner they turn, they're in danger of their lives. Why? Because they proclaim the gospel that Jesus commanded them to proclaim. And so I'd love to see pastors become sons of thunder and thunder from the pulpit, the commandments, and put lightning right in the face of the congregation so they begin to fear God. And when you fear God, you obey Him. Paul said, wherefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, mm. we persuade men. If God's an old guy with a beard and your mind and he's reaching out wearing a pink nighty to play touch fingers with Adam, you won't obey Him. He won't give you any commandments because that's an idol in your mind. When you read what God is like in Scripture, God is to be obeyed. And when he says preach the gospel to every creature, you'll just run to it because you love him, 
and you fear him. You want to do that which is right. What about those today who feel that there are certain aspects of the Christian faith that turns people off, like an eternal hell, like judgment, like the wrath of God? Certainly, we are to be faithful to what God has revealed. How do you deal with that issue, even among Christians today? I found Christians who say, well, we've got to minimize this doctrine. We don't want to talk about that. It's too controversial. How do you respond to that? If you water down the medicine, it may not be bitter, but it's going to lose its curative properties. <laughs> There's a reason we're told the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And what we need to do is be like Paul, who made Felix tremble. Or we should give everybody their own personal earthquake, as the Philippian jailer was mm-hmm. given. Because they won't flee from wrath to come unless mm-hmm. they believe there's wrath to come. And how will they hear without a preacher? So every time I share the gospel, I am absolutely aware, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. God is watching me. He's listening. Am I a true and faithful witness? Am I going to drop doctrines like hell and righteousness and sin and judgment? And then you've got to drop the name of Jesus because the world's offended at that. Mm-hmm. Then you can't preach the offense of the cross because they're offended at that. So you've watered down the message. That's lost its cure to properties. It'll do nothing but fill the church with false converts and the church is like the world because of that fact. At the end of each chapter in your book, you tell stories about the various witnessing experiences you've had. What are some of the most memorable (laughs) experiences that you find hard to to forget? Share those with our listening audience. At the end of each chapter, I dropped in the cream of our YouTube channels, Witnessing. It's just past 246 million views, the Living Waters YouTube channel, where people can actually see atheists getting witnessed to and that. Well, I took the cream put him in the book, and one of them stands out in my mind is a guy called Mario. I was on my electric bike with my dog, and the dog wears sunglasses, I wear sunglasses, and he's the best bait I've ever had when I go fishing for men, because if you've got a dog wearing sunglasses, you're a friend of strangers immediately. <laughs> Went past this young guy, he's about 20 years old, very nice looking guy, name was Mario, I said, you want to go on YouTube? He said, sure. And he was very arrogant at first, and suddenly as we read through the commandments, I see a tear form on his, in his eye and roll down his cheek, and I freaked out. I thought, what's going on? And then he started weeping over his own sins. He said, I've sinned against God, and, and I prayed with him. It was absolutely wonderful, and it's, it showed me that I mustn't be prejudiced because I thought, I don't even want to stop with this guy. He's just sort of arrogant in that. We're prejudiced. We, we sum everything up with our eyes when, when God looks on the heart. So now when I see someone that doesn't look like a prospective to come on camera, I take no notice and I just go for them. And some of the the sweetest, sweetest witnessing encounters I've ever had are those with people who look a bit boring to begin Mm. with, and yet there's gems in the heart. Mm. Wow. One of your chapters is titled, Daniel the Risk Taker. How did Daniel take risks for God, and how can we model this risk-taking for Jesus today in our own lives? Yeah, every time you open your mouth for the gospel, when you go up to a stranger and say, how you doing? You're taking a risk. He could reject you. And I've one of the greatest tools I have is this one question. I ask strangers, do you think there's an afterlife? I haven't mentioned God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, sin, righteousness, and judgment. All the things that make them and us feel a little uncomfortable, I've just asked the question. Do you think there's an afterlife? And he might say, oh, I don't know. His I don't know has just dissipated my fears. He's not the Antichrist. He hasn't stabbed me to death. He's a normal human being who thinks about the issues of life and death. So we must be bold like Daniel. When he was told, if you pray, you're going to toss you into a lion's den. He hung open his windows and prayed where people could see him praying. 
because he didn't care what men thought, he cared what God thought. And that's the attitude you and I should have, and if we have that attitude, it'll help us to deal with our fears. We'll be like a firefighter who shows up a fire. He doesn't say, this is too scary, I have to climb a ladder and rescue a woman and her two children, I'm going home. He doesn't say that. He ignores his fears because he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of that woman and the fate of her children. So that's what drives you and I to reach out to the lost, compassion. The Bible says, others, compassion, have compassion, making a difference, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You talk about finding the courage to share the love of God even when facing the lines of this world. Where does the courage come from? Is it our daily walk with the Lord? Is it looking at the example of Jesus, the fact that his love was so great, he died on the cross? Is that where we can get our courage? Yes, absolutely. That's what comes from that. When I became a Christian, I cannot express to you how grateful I was that God Mm. took me out of death and gave me life. And for the last 52 years, I've had this explosion of a high-octane fuel called gratitude that motivates me to reach the lost. So when you're seeing your own sin and seeing the cross and the love of God, you will say to the disciples, I cannot but speak that which I've Mm. seen and heard. Well, thank you, Ray, for being with us. We always enjoy listening to Ray Comfort. You do a great job. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Well, friends, you will want your own copy of the book, So Many Lions, So Few, Daniels. Our toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. Just ask for Ray Comfort's new book, So Many Lions, So Few, Daniels. So Many Lions, So Few Daniels by Ray Comfort will help you develop the fortitude to look into the mouths of lions without flinching, trusting that God not only will bring you to the other side of the trial, but is refining you through it. This encouraging and practical book draws on inspiring stories from Scripture to help you identify the lions you face and build a strategy for combating them. Recognizing that nothing catches God off guard and reminding you that by His power, You have victory over the darkness. For any believer who sometimes feels down, burned out, or ready to give in, this book offers a spiritual shot in the arm. Order So Many Lions, So Few Daniels by Ray Comfort today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit our website, swrc.com. Discover how to live fearlessly for Christ when you read So Many Lions, So Few Daniels by Ray Comfort. 1-800-652-1144. Or order on our website, swrc.com. Staff Evangelist Josh Davis has the latest news and information on the push toward a new world order in today's One World Update. In 1998, 70% of Americans thought patriotism was very important. A recent Wall Street Journal article reveals that the number is now 38%. That's an abysmal decline, in my opinion. And what's caused this steep decline over the last 25 years? I think part of the blame falls upon our higher education system. It's really no secret that many of the American colleges and universities are now bastions of liberalism. And part of this liberal agenda is a move to globalism. 
Are you aware of this, that many American colleges and universities are openly promoting global citizenship? It's in their mission statements. It's in their programs. And some schools even have centers for global citizenship now. And global citizenship is championed, and American citizenship is vilified or ignored. So a new catchphrase teaches your national citizenship is an accident. Your global citizenship is a choice. So American youth and American college students are fed a very steady diet of this philosophy as they are encouraged to become global citizens. And students know precious little about American history and American civics and American government and how government works. There's a professor that teaches at a public community college in New York State that is really taking a stand against what he is witnessing firsthand in higher education. His name is Nicholas Giordano, and he shares some of the numbers that are absolutely shocking and startling. I want to share with you what he writes. Quote, over a 12-year period, only 16% of my students can pass a citizenship exam, and most cannot differentiate the Russian Constitution from the American Constitution. Imagine that. And this is not unique to my students. According to the Department of Education, the nation's report card finds that only 23% of graduating public school students demonstrate minimum basic proficiency in civics, and only 11% of graduating public school students demonstrate minimum basic proficiency in American history. Only 11% of graduating public school students demonstrate minimum basic proficiency in American history. Again, this is abysmal. He continues on, as he says, on a societal level, the numbers aren't much better. According to the Woodrow Wilson Institute, only 27% of Americans under the age of 45 demonstrate a basic understanding of American government and history. Just one in three Americans can pass a citizenship exam regardless of age, end quote. Folks, our education system is intentionally ignoring American history and civics. So in an attempt to reverse this trend, the North Carolina State House of Representatives passed a bill that would require all students to take at least three credit hours of instruction in the founding of America and its history before they could graduate with a baccalaureate degree from the University of North Carolina or an associate's degree from any of their state community colleges. The bill would require students to read Imagine this, they would have to read in this class the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, at least five essays from the Federalist Papers, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail, the Gettysburg Address, and the North Carolina State Constitution. That's shocking, isn't it? They would require them to read the Constitution and these other founding and important documents to the history of America. That's totally outrageous, isn't it? So with their globalism on full display, there was a group of almost 700, 673 to be exact, University of North Carolina professors who signed a letter opposing this legislation. So let's get this straight. UNC gets hundreds of millions of North Carolina taxpayer dollars every single year to push its anti-American agenda upon students. 
There's something absolutely wrong with that picture, don't you think? But I find it sad that this debate is happening around college education. You know, I read these kinds of documents as a middle school student, as a high school student in a Christian school. I was required to take a year-long course in American government and American civics in high school. I was required to take a year-long American history class in high school. And my school was in the state of Tennessee, so we took a course in Tennessee history, and we learned a lot about Tennessee history through middle school and high school. Our educational institutions have really turned from education to indoctrination. Schools have shifted from dispensing information to indoctrinating cultural values that are antithetical to scriptural biblical values. And one of the core values is globalism is good and America is bad. And I'm not saying all educators believe this. Don't get me wrong. I know several educators who are absolutely aghast at what is happening in American education. However, their hands are often tied and their voices are often silenced. While we're not in the biblical end times at this moment, we certainly see how the stage is being set. Our young people are trained to think that any America First agenda is evil and harmful to our world. Globalist educators use fear and shame to shape the minds of their students into buying the globalists' lies. And I think that this is classic brainwashing at work. Our nation is transforming right before our eyes. America's future is being determined in our classrooms today. That's why this issue is so crucial. That's why this issue is so important. I pray that we can open our eyes to what's happening around us. Friends, I still firmly believe that a spiritual awakening can come to America. I'm probably in the minority with that opinion, but I believe as long as we still have the Lord, we still have hope here in America. So I urge you, I encourage you, I ask you, join me in prayer for our country. With God, it's never too late. We see that on an individual level in Scripture, and we see it on a national level in Scripture. Just look at Jonah going to the nation of Nineveh, preaching that message. When they repented, God forgave. God can still do the same in America. I invite you to join me in prayer. Don't forget the words of Jesus to his followers that are found in Luke twenty-one twenty-eight. And when these things begin to come to pass, that's where we are in that beginning. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. For any believer who sometimes feels beaten down, burned out, or ready to give in, the book So Many Lions, So Few Daniels by Ray Comfort offers a spiritual shot in the arm. Order your copy of So Many Lions, So Few Daniels when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Discover how to live fearlessly for Christ when you read So Many Lions, So Few Daniels by Ray Comfort. 1-800-652-1144. Or order on our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Terry James will begin a brand new series on Worlds in Collision and the Rebirth of Liberty. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com. Thank you.